Hello and welcome to episode 23 of The Witcher Chapter by Chapter Book Review, where I'll go through a summary of what happened in the latest chapter and then give my detailed thoughts on it. Today I'll be discussing chapter 2 from Time of Contempt. Alright, so I know that I often will talk a little bit before I go right into the podcast, but you know what, I honestly just don't have anything to say today. And I kind of want to just get through this chapter and I'm not trying to talk crap on the chapter. It's just, you'll see, it's not, it's not very memorable. There's not, there's nothing really too pivotal that happens. We'll we'll talk about it. We'll discuss it. It's just, yeah, it's, it's definitely not going to go down as one of my favorite chapters. (laughs) And not to say I didn't like it. There's some fun stuff in here. There's some very intriguing things that happen, but it's just, it's just one of those chapters where compared to a lot of others, you, you, you feel kind of just eh about it. So yeah, with that said, let's, let's get started with the recap of last episode. Uh, so we kicked off time of contempt with Geralt having a meeting with Codringer and Fenn who discuss Ryan's master series, right? Or lack thereof to the throne of Sintra and the possibility of using a decoy Siri when her pursuers learn that the rumors about her death are not true. Geralt also travels to the hamlet of Anchor to kill assassins who are currently hunting Siri and Yennefer. And the chapter ends with the messenger shot and killed by a Scoia'tael before he could deliver the message to, t- to King Demaved and call off the staged incitement in Dolangra. Really quick. <laughs> I know I said I wasn't really going to talk before I went into it, uh, but here I am. When I say shot and killed by a Scoia'tael, I'm not 100% sure if that is grammatically correct. So if you hear me say that and it's like nails on a chalkboard because it's wrong and you know it's wrong, I apologize. But I don't know if you can talk about individual members of the Scoia'tael as like a Scoia'tael. So when I typed it out, I didn't have any issue with it. But when I said it out loud just now, I was like, is that right? I don't know. I, I don't think anybody's really going to care that much. So if you do, let me know. I'll try to stop. Uh, but it's also a lot easier to say than a member of the Scoia'tael. It's just to say a Scoia'tael. I don't know. Maybe it's right. I, I overthink things sometimes. I'm sure if you've watched enough of these episodes, you, you know I'm an overthinker. <laughs> okay, so here is the summary of chapter two. So we start out with Ciri and Yennefer arriving at the city of Gorsvelin, which is located right by the Isle of Thaned, where the Conclave of Mages is to soon take place. Yennefer needs to stop at Giancardi's bank to arrange some finances, including the tuition payment for Ciri's first year at Aratusa, the magical school for young enchantresses. While meeting with the dwarven banker, Siri has nothing to do except read a book that's not captivating enough to keep her from listening to Yennefer and the banker's discussion, so he has one of his young clerks, Fabio, show, city, show Siri around the city. It's a mouthful. Siri around the city. I almost wanted to say city around the Siri. The pair visit the city's market where they see many kinds of people and try many kinds of food. Siri is intrigued by the show tents and they pay to enter one where a basculist is said to be on display. The man running the display goes on about the basilisk until Siri interrupts to say, it's not a basilisk, it's a wyvern. To prove it's not a basilisk, Siri volunteers to stand close to the cage, showing all the spectators that its breath clearly isn't poisonous. Suddenly, the wyvern breaks out of its cage, eats one of the viewer's dogs, 
but all else are saved when Ciri's Witcher training kicks in and she slays the monster. She credits a nearby squire with killing the wyvern, and she and Fabio make a run for it when they start blaming Ciri for provoking the creature in the first place. She's about to be caught until she uses a concealment amulet provided by Yennefer. The men chasing her lose track, and she catches back up with Fabio, who expresses his astonishment at the skill she exhibited fighting the monster. She threatens him to accept her denial until two sorceresses, Tessia DeVrice and Margarita... I don't want to even try to pronounce her last name. <laughs> we'll just call her Margarita, who cares? Uh, until Tessia and Margarita mistake her for an Aratuzan novice and accuse her of truancy. When Siri doesn't recognize Tessia's authority... She hits her with a paralyzing spell. Fabio tells them who Ciri is, and the two sorceresses bring her to Yennefer. Later, Ciri and Yennefer join the two enchantresses at a local inn's bathhouse, where Ciri manages to take off in search of Geralt, who she learned from Giancardi is at a local farm. On the way, she witnesses many terrifying things, like Squayatel, who try to get her, the knight with the wings of prey on his helmet from her nightmares, and the wild hunt, who were telling her to join them. Meanwhile, on the farm, Dandelion and the halfling owner, Bernie Hoffmeyer, are awaiting Geralt's return while he's hunting a monster said to be in the area. Geralt comes back and mentions the wild hunt is present. They then notice a single rider emerging from the trees, followed by what appears to be the hunt themselves. Luckily, close behind them is Yennefer, who uses a spell to cast them away. Ciri, the single rider, dismounts from her horse and faints. The next morning, she hears Geralt and Yennefer leave the house together. She follows them and hides behind a wall, intending to eavesdrop until Dandelion catches her. Although the sorceress and witcher are too far away to hear their conversation, Dandelion tells her that the two are saying sorry to each other. Hell yeah, I want them back together and it looks like that's happening. <laughs> so that is, I think that's my favorite part of this whole chapter, actually. That's, I, I, I didn't mean to make it sound like I hated the chapter. I don't, I promise. <laughs> it's really, it's not bad. And that part was definitely really good. And I also love Dandelion and Siri uh, just meeting and talking to each other. And they just seem so familiar with one another right away, which isn't surprising when you know Dandelion's personality. And Siri doesn't seem to look at him as one of the adults that you really need to respect. Like, you know how it is with Yennefer. I mean, I know she wasn't super respectful towards Yennefer immediately. Well, Yennefer wasn't super respectful towards her. But... She definitely fears Yennefer. She she loves her. She cares about her. But she does not want her disapproval. And Siri talks to Dandelion almost like, you know, they're like they're friends, like as if he's another kid her age. It's very it's a brief conversation, but they do um, they do seem to click right away. And I like that. I thought that was pretty neat. All right, so I want to talk about this whole Squiatel war because. There was a lot of learning in this chapter and more things seem to be unfolding or we're at least just getting more familiar with the whole situation. And this has been going on for a while, but I guess the hope is that this sort of thing, because there's so much violence and death involved, we would want it to come to an end, but it seems to just be escalating. And I know that I've been talking about the threat of a war with Nilfgaard again, and that hasn't really taken off yet. It seems like it's going to happen. But the there's basically a war. I don't know if they're officially referring to it as a war, but it basically is a war against the Squayatel. So at the very beginning of the chapter, 
Yennefer and Siri are getting close to the city of Gorsvelin, and they see these posts that have the dead bodies of Squirtel on them. And they were placed there to basically warn other squirrels. Only the ones who, I guess, kill themselves or get killed in combat before getting captured are the ones that get stuck on the posts. And the ones that are captured alive get brought to the city, and then they get tortured in the main square so that the civilized non-humans can witness it because they want them to see it and then not offer to provide them with any help or even join them because that is something that tends to happen. So there has been a lot of outlawing of individuals of non-humans. I don't know if this extends to humans too. If it does, I'm sure it's a very small number. Uh, I don't think that that would be going on though it could, but at least there are some individuals, non-humans that are becoming outlawed be- for providing any help to the Squayatel. So there's this announcement in the square in Gorsvelin that Siri witnesses, and it's basically an, about this halfling that they are now outlawing because he was providing shelter to Squayatel. Again, a Squayatel? I don't know. But <laughs> uh, there's also a dwarven uh, blacksmith that was providing them help by forging arrowheads for them. So they're outlawed. Anybody that helps these new outlaws are also going to be, um, I guess, say outlaw again. <laughs> they're also going to be outlawed. <laughs> so there are people that are around, they're listening, and they're saying that non-humans should be taken to the dungeons. And someone actually says, no, not to the dungeons, to the gallows. So the whole thing that's going on in the cities, like amongst the citizens, not just, you know, Squayatel versus members of the military, the, you know, the people residing in these cities, and I'm guessing this is also in, you know, smaller, like villages and such too, they have this increased hatred towards non-humans. And it's, I mean, that was going on before this whole thing started, but it seems to be worse now than it was before. And there's nothing happening to make it so that this isn't going to continue being an issue. There's nothing to stop it from getting worse. So Dandelion and Bernie are having this discussion on the farm before Geralt shows up. And Bernie says that apparently the king's men come by. Bernie, by the way, he's a halfling. I think I mentioned that in the summary. He's a halfling and he says that the king's men come by and threaten them if they're caught helping the squirrels. And then the squirrels will come by and try to, I guess, either recruit them or get their help somehow. And he says that they're caught between two fires. So I guess that they want to remain loyal to the non-humans, but they also don't want to get in trouble with the humans for providing them with any help. And I think that it's also because the Squayatel tend to be very persuasive when they come by and visit him. So... It would definitely suck to be in that position right now. I think that those are the people who are getting it worse are the non-humans that are residing in cities that are um, like integrated amongst humans right now. They're definitely the ones that are going to suffer from this the most. And then when we're in the bank, the scene where we're in the bank with Yennefer and Siri and Yennefer's talking to Molnar Giancardi, we learn that in addition to the friction between humans and non-humans, there is now additional taxes that non-humans have to pay. So there's additional taxes all around. Everybody across the board has to pay more money in taxes. 
But Molnar Giancardi mentions that he has to hand over 60% of his income to the treasury. And it's something that has to do with being a non-human. And apparently that this money is actually going towards the army. And they're essentially making non-humans finance the war against the Scoia'tael. Which, <laughs> it's pretty messed up. And I don't know if that is being done as a way to like deter non-humans for to join the Scoia'tael because the reason that I was wondering that, I was thinking that, well, maybe the thought process there for the government officials that created this new tax policy, maybe they thought that if they were to make the non-humans pay money, that it, pay extra money in taxes that's going to fund the military attacking the Scoia'tael, maybe that would make the non-humans think, okay, maybe I shouldn't join the Scoia'tael. Like if they were considering it, then they wouldn't want to do it because it's like, I've been paying all this money that is going to soldiers that are going to try to kill me. I don't know. But either way, it's still like, it's just, <laughs> it's pretty messed up. And it's just, it's, it's another example of how things are getting worse with this situation as a whole. So, since we're on the topic of Giancardi and the uh, bank scene. So it's briefly mentioned there that Yennefer helped the Giancardi family during a pogrom in Vengerberg. So basically this guy Molnar has got her back. He is willing to give her money. It sounds like it's not even a lend. I was a little bit confused about that, but oh well, it doesn't matter. Uh, one of the things that he offers to do to you know have her back is he offers to clear a debt that Geralt accrued in Dorian. I didn't know if that was because he accrued a debt with Codringer and Fenn because that's where they're located. Although it seemed like he paid for their whole services right then and there, and I don't yeah, so I don't know about that. But Yennefer doesn't want this done because Geralt would be offended if he found out that she was connected to this debt clearing, and she even says, "I doubt he still holds me dear." And I, it's funny to think about because you know he does. And I think that he's probably thinking the same thing too. What, but, but anyway. Uh, Molnar tells Yen that Geralt is now commissioned in Herondom. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and she requests, instead of clearing his debt, that he should just have the farmers raise the bounty for the monster that he's trying to kill there. This is actually how Ciri learns where to find Geralt later on when she takes off. So Ciri's in the bank. She is listening to uh, Giancardi and Yennefer, and then Giancardi offers to have one of his young clerks take Ciri out into the city. And, you know, they go and they explore a lot. And one of the first things they do is Fabio takes Ciri up on this wall that surrounds the city, and that's where she sees the Isle of Thanet. And... We get to learn a little bit more about Thanad here, which is nice because it's been very vaguely mentioned in the past and we weren't really, it wasn't really explained to us, to the reader until now, exactly what Thanad consists of. We just know that like the Conclave of Mages was gonna be taking place there. So Thanad consists of Garstang Palace, which is where the Conclave is going to be happening. And then there's a tower there called Tor Lara, or the Tower of Gulls, and for whatever reason, it attracts lightning. And then there's also Loxia Palace, and then there is Aratuza, and that is the school for young enchantresses, which is where Yennefer is trying to enroll Ciri. 
So while they're out, Fabio wants to go into a tent and have their fortune told because he wants to travel the world and he wants to learn if he's going to get to do that. Siri, not interested in doing this at all. But she actually kind of prophecies that he will. So she has one of those moments again. She doesn't say anything out loud about it this time, though. But in her own head, she thinks that, um, yeah, he's going to travel. He's going to do that. And he's going to discover new lands and die from an unknown disease far away from his family. And his family is going to be made up of his wife, three daughters, and a son. There's obviously no way to know if this is definitely going to happen. Because, I mean, her, her prediction could be false here because this is something that's taking place way into the future so for all we know it doesn't happen i don't think that's even going to be revisited because i don't think fabio is that important of a character i'd be surprised if he came up again but it seems like my point here is that it seems like she's still having these clairvoyant episodes and she also still doesn't seem to be sure of what's going on so when that happened she kind of forgot about it immediately like she came to and then it was completely out of her mind. So I know I talked about this last episode because she had one of these moments and she spoke out loud to the messenger about how he was going to die. It was not, it was a little bit cryptic, but it was definitely accurate in how he was going to die because he died just a few days after he met her and she said that. And I, I wondered if this was linked to her being a source or if this was a different thing. And I'm starting to think that maybe it just is a different thing. Because right before this, she mentions that there is such a thing as like a prophetess. And I'm thinking maybe that's just what she is. Which, I mean, I guess that'd be kind of cool. It would definitely be better than the alternative is that there's this bad problem that she has and it's still taking place. Um, whoever is possessing her may still have the ability to do that. And I'm not saying that's what's happening here. I'm just saying that they seem to be connected. So hopefully it's nothing serious and hopefully, yeah, she's just a psychic and can tell the future. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to know my future. <laughs> if I had psychic abilities, I wouldn't want to be able to see into my own future. But who knows? Maybe she can turn it off when it comes to herself and then just see other people's futures. Although I don't even know how great that would be. It sounds cool. It's like one of those things that when you're a kid, it sounds like it'd be really cool. But then, you know, you grow up and you're like, no, that that's not good. Don't want it. <laughs> so instead of going to see this psychic, they go and check out this wyvern that was supposed to be a basilisk. And I liked this part because it was actually really good to see, because Siri kills the wyvern. It's good to see that she was able to do that. So the first time she was in danger um, after her witcher training was when she was up against the Scoia'tael elf woman when they were traveling to the temple school with Geralt and Triss. And she froze up. Like she, like all of the training that she had been involved in at Caramoran just, you know, kind of, it, it, it just didn't come to her. And I, I did talk about that when it happened. I said, that's understandable. I think that that is super common if you're training for something and then you finally get to do the real thing, you kind of freeze up. So I said that I hoped her second time that she had the chance to actually apply what she learned in Care More and she would be able to do so. And she did. So I think that, that's just good. I, I'm happy that that happened because now we know that if anything were to happen again in the future, she wouldn't freeze up. She would be able to handle herself. Even uh, Fabio was super impressed. He was trying to explain to her <laughs> 
how impressed he was. And she was telling him like, no, shut up, shut up. <laughs> uh, because, you know, she didn't want anybody to know that she was the one that killed the wyvern, of course. But yeah, it's good for her that she is definitely going to be capable of handling herself. And in a world like this, where there is a lot more danger and violence than there is in, you know, our modern world. Okay, so after this happens, she gets caught by the sorceresses, Josiah and Margarita. And Margarita is actually the rectoress at Eratusa. I don't know if I mentioned that in the summary. So I'll throw it in there now, just in case I didn't. Uh, you know, she gets caught by them. Fabio tells them who she is. They take her to Jennifer. The whole thing gets figured out, explained, and then they go to this bathhouse. The whole bathhouse scene was kind of frustrating because <laughs> they uh, weren't very nice to Siri. I, yeah, I did not like that. I, I, it was, uh, I, I know that she's a child and they're growing up, so I feel like maybe that's just a normal thing in certain societies, but yeah, they just kind of treated her like she didn't exist until they needed something from her. Like, oh, go get us another carafe. And I was like, oh God, I would tell them, uh, hell no, go get it yourself. I mean, I don't know. I guess she can't really get away with that. But yeah, that the bathhouse scene was... that pissed me off. (laughs) So while they're there, there's an officer called Rayla who enters and then she reports to Tosiah that Tosiah's instructions have been executed. And then there's no other details, but she was also, Tosiah was also deliberately delaying going to Thaned for unknown reasons. She was staying at this inn that the bathhouse was in and she wasn't going and staying in Aratusa like everybody else was for the conclave. So I th- something's going on with Desaya. It's left just like that. All the details I've given you right now, that's it. When we first met her, she had met with Vigelforts, and she seemed a little defensive and suspicious of him. Since Vigelforts comes across as duplicitous, I felt inclined to trust her. So whatever she's got going on here, I'm inclined to believe that it's something that isn't bad. Like, I don't, I don't feel suspicious. I, and the reason I talk about it while this was something that was left so unclear is because I think that we're going to get a follow-up on this. That would be very strange if it was written with no clarity like that, but still included in the chapter at all. And then we just never come back to it. We never figure out what's going on with her. So anyway, something seems to be going down with Tosiah. And I think that whatever it is, is probably a well-intended thing. Could be wrong. But hopefully we'll soon get to figure out what that is. But this is just another thing that seems to happen in these books. We get a tiny little bit of information about something. Usually not this vague, but we do get a tiny little bit of information. And it leads us to wonder what's going on with that or what's going to happen next. And a while goes by before we get any answers, if we get any answers at all. Okay, so Siri manages to take off from the bathhouse or take off from the inn and go and look for Geralt. And this is something that she seemed to have planned way earlier on in the day or was maybe hoping for an opportunity to do this. So when she was talking to Fabio, she expressed concern that Aratusa, the school that she's supposed to be enrolled in soon, is like a prison because you can't leave. Like once you get there, you're stuck. And 
what she realizes is that you would have to escape before you go. So I think that she had been trying to think of an escape plan for a while before she even met the Enchantresses because while she was talking about this with Fabio, she also asked him like, oh, and where's Herondom? And which, like, which direction is it? And um, he explains it to her and he's like, why do you want to know about that? She's like, just tell me. So I think that her main goal was to see Geralt since Yen mentioned when they were in the bank that they weren't going to Herondom. So I think that she was anticipating that she was going to see Geralt and was really disappointed when that didn't happen. Although I wasn't sure when she escaped, if she was actually intending to not go to the school at all. I know she didn't want to go, but I don't know if she was thinking that she would never get to go or if she just wanted to go see Geralt beforehand, or maybe she was hoping that she would get there and Geralt would just be like, oh no, you don't have to go to that school. Like Geralt would rescue, rescue her from that situation. Although she, could, she did leave a note behind for Yennefer right before she took off. And in the note, she said that Marguerite is not gonna have to wipe her nose at the school. So that's why I, I was wondering if she was thinking she was just never going to have to go. But knowing Yennefer, it's like, <laughs> obviously she's going to track her down and like, yep, all right, time to go to school now. So yeah, I don't know what her intentions were there. She maybe didn't think out too far in advance. Like, I don't know, maybe she was just so set on going to see Geralt that she just wasn't planning too long term. I don't know. I'm not sure. But her journey to find him is really scary. I wasn't sure at first if she imagined the wild hunt or if it was real. Like the, the first time I was reading it, like before I got through the whole chapter, I remember thinking, is she like, be, knowing Siri, knowing all the stuff that she goes through, I was wondering if this was something that was actually happening. Was she imagining it? Was it just, you know, some waking nightmare? Um, so it, it's definitely confirmed, Geralt confirms it that you know the wild hunt was in the area and Yennefer had to use magic to send them away. I'm still however not entirely sure if the Scoia'tael that were trying to get her in the night with the helmet adorned with wings were real. Pretty sure they're not. I'm not 100% sure but I'm pretty sure. Because I the reason I think that they were not is because the wild hunt can evoke nightmares. So I thinking that the wild hunt just probably made her imagine those things. They probably were able to just make her imagine whatever her greatest fears were. And the knight with the wings on his helmet, that was something that she had nightmares about for a very long time. So that would definitely come up. But the thing is, is that the Scoia'tael would be plausible if there were Scoia'tael nearby and they were trying to get her that, especially her being a human, that would, that could be something that happened. But it, it would definitely be a huge coincidence if that night that she was terrified of was at the same exact spot. I mean, I was thinking about it. I was thinking, like, for all we know, he's been tracking Yennefer and Ciri. But what are the odds that he would have ended up uh, when she, like, she wasn't supposed to go to that farm? I mean, she took off by herself. I don't know. I just thought that it would have been a really weird coincidence if he was really there. But also the wings on his helmet, she sees that they start to fly. And then the trees surrounding her come to life. I don't think that that really happened. I think she was imagining it. She even thinks to herself that she was imagining it. So while this is happening, the king of the wild hunt is talking to her and he's telling her to join them. And he refers to her as child of the elder blood. So this term comes up again. Still don't know what it means, but the king of the wild hunt, this spe spectral uh, cavalcade is referring to her as child of the elder blood. He also uh, says that she has death. Also, 
don't know what he means by that, but it doesn't sound good. Okay, so while she's traveling, she thinks about how she's always able to find her way. And we actually saw this in the Sword of Destiny story after she and Geralt are released from Broccolon and they go to, I think he, he goes to take her back to Sintra. And they don't know, or he doesn't know which way to go. And Siri's like, oh, we should go this way. And he figures out, oh yeah, that's actually the right way to go. And then they come to a fork and Geralt suggests they go one way. And Siri's like, nope, that's, that's a bad way. We shouldn't do that. And they go in that direction anyway. And then they almost get killed. So this is something, this is another strange power that she has that she has maintained for a while. But she almost gets lost a few times during this trip. And she actually notices that she keeps feeling drawn to Tor Lara. So the tower, Tower of Gulls, that's on the Isle of Thanet. I guess she can see it because she's like high up, like close to a cliff. And then, you know, it's out like in the water. And I thought that that was pretty interesting. I don't know what that means. Uh, it seems pretty mysterious. The tower is said to um, attract lightning and she's feeling drawn to it. So it seems like something was going on there. No idea, but wanted to point it out in case it ends up being important later. All right, well, to move on to the last section of the chapter, I just wanted to discuss a couple of those parts. It's a pretty quick scene, so this will just be brief. But uh, I was thinking that I don't believe Yen nor Geralt had any intention of meeting each other. Well, I know that Yen had already said that she wasn't going to go to Herondom. But even Dandelion pointed out to Bernie that he recommended that Dandelion and Geralt go to Gors Valen, but Geralt quickly refused to do that. And I think it's because he probably didn't want to run into Yennefer. He knew that she was going to be there. And going back to what I was talking about a little bit earlier, was that I think Geralt and Yennefer both, both missed each other, but I think that they were afraid that the other one wouldn't want to see them. So I think that's why they were not making any plans to meet up but I, at this point, I believe that they are aware that the other one missed, like that they missed each other. It wasn't a one-sided thing. It was mutual, which makes me very happy. And then Siri gets there after the whole thing with the wild hunt. She gets off her horse and Dandelion is kind of like his perspective. And he's wondering which one of the two, Geralt or Yennefer, is she going to go to? And she admits the next morning after she wakes up that she actually pretended to faint in that moment. So I guess she wouldn't have to choose. And Dandelion says that uh, she actually helped him or helped them with that. Uh, if Dandelion was right, and I'm sure he was, <laughs> Geralt and Yen seem to definitely be made up right now. And what I'm hoping is that we're going to get to see them like officially back together in the next chapter. So this is something that I know you know I've been wanting for a while. <laughs> Okay, so that is Time of Contempt, Chapter 2. I do have just a couple of closing thoughts here, uh, nothing too long. But when this chapter left off, all of our main characters were together. So I'm thinking that by next chapter or the next time we see them, which I say that because you don't see the same characters every chapter and you don't even see, like there are some chapters where there are way more minor characters. So... You, you just don't know. So that's why I say the next time we see them, we're likely to not be jumping around from setting to setting, which happens a lot in these chapters. 
Um, not that I'm complaining about that. I'm not saying that that's a problem. I'm just saying that it would that that is what I would anticipate. But also, you never even know about that because, for all we know, the next chapter could be Siri at the school of Aratusa remembering Yennefer and Geralt dropping her off a few months ago because there could just be a big time jump. But we'll see. And I'm also hoping that this conclave will take place or have taken place by next chapter because throughout um, Yennefer's discussion, um, I think there were a few other moments where it was talked about. It was just more more importance was placed on it again. So they keep talking about this conclave. They talk about it changing the world or um, think, just something big coming out of it. So I think that that's building up on purpose. So I'm really excited to see what happens there. I be super shocked if there was nothing that came out of it but we'll have to find out either in the next episode or next couple of episodes okay so that's all i got and just to let you know in case you didn't these episodes are available on youtube with video spotify and apple Podcasts with just the audio thank you so much for joining and i'll catch you all in the next episode